0: All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football Podcast. I'm Weston. With me as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, another week in the books, and we're here to discuss our Week 9 recap. But before we jump into into our planned proceedings this evening, a very special evening for us here at at the We're Talking Football Podcast. We are joined tonight by quite possibly, as I would coin, the hardest-working man in the 49er podcast world, the master of all things memes and gifs, and co-host of the Sprint Right Option podcast, Mr. Jason Aponte. Jason, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
1: Weston, thank you, man, for having me, and uh, it's nice to be here with you guys. And and honestly, the the king of the memes thing—that really is the one that, that 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 I'm proud of the most, honestly, more than anything. Because yeah, we could talk football, but I like to inject my humor into it, as you saw today with a few of the tweets that I was sending off. And it's just like, yeah, man, like we can talk about football and still have some fun i
0: i love it i actually i was just shooting the shit with lou before you kind of jumped on and we kicked things off and i was like most importantly this guy just has fun while he's doing it you know like you don't i what i love about you jason this is not to turn into like a blow session or anything like that but it's just like guys
2: guys guys you want me to leave
0: (laughs) is is you don't take too seriously, man. Like you know what I mean. Like you you take your approach very seriously. Like you you do you, but like you have a lot of fun while you're doing it. And I, I think that's one of the things I respect about you most. And I and I'm I'm hoping you can bring that that same energy uh, to to the, the show this evening for us.
1: Absolutely. And I appreciate that. And that's I mean at this point I think that a lot of it needs to be serious. And you always want to be taken serious in your your analysis and all too. But at the end of the day we're talking about football and and it's a kid's game. And why not have a little bit of fun with it? And and you should just try to beat yourself more than anything.
0: Love it, man. Lou, you, you write down that advice, dude? That,
2: no, that's I, don't, so I, don't, awesome. I don't agree with that at all. As a lifelong, <laughs> uh, as a lifelong Chargers fan, there's nothing fun about football. <laughs> right. So I don't agree with that.
1: All right. That's our line.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's our <laughs> line right now. Yeah. Uh, well, gents, week nine was definitely an interesting week. And, and like you just alluded to, we're here to talk all things football. Um, we had some surprises this week, i.e. the Cowboys getting mopped by the – the Broncos you got the mm-hmm. Bills in a field goal battle uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars Um, but I, w- I would call it stunning even some other games that were tight and close and, and went the opposite direction of a lot of, of what you'll see mine in loose picks when we talk about our pick em section how that how well that went for us we this don't have week. to
2: talk about that we can ignore last week
0: yeah <laughs> but we're going to change up the format a bit this evening tonight we're going to touch upon not only just the 49ers and the Chargers game, but what I'm most excited about this evening is to get into our midseason awards, as we have officially, as of Monday night, reached the midway point of the 2021 NFL season. So without further ado, let's get into it. And Jason, again, appreciate you, man. It's just usually not usually Lou and I bantering back and forth on these topics. So I'm, I'm super excited to hear your input uh, in this conversation as well.
1: Absolutely. And this is a fun uh, exercise as I get to discuss other things other than what's going on in the 49ers land. Uh, I promise you that, you know, while I do enjoy that, I enjoy the game of football much more. And there's so many other things going on in the league right now that uh, I'd love to discuss.
0: Love it, man. And, And if you remember us for anything, maybe it was just a break from the everyday, and you get to have a little fun while doing it. So where we always begin with our hometown takes, I usually let Lou take the lead here. So, um, your chargers had the philadelphia eagles our 49ers hosted the arizona cardinals uh, we'll save the worst for last in this particular equation so lou we'll let you lead us down the, the path of you know how that game went as always give me the good give me the bad give me the ugly what you take from it
2: all right as always we'll start with the good uh you know when it comes to the la chargers uh we predicted last week that this was a a get back on track type of uh you know, game for them. Uh, and pretty much I felt like that's exactly what they did. They, uh, they snapped their two game losing streak. In addition, Herbert got back on track too, as he was extremely efficient. He was 32 for 38, 356 yards, averaging 9.4 uh, yards per average right there, throwing uh, two touchdowns added a rushing touchdown. He just was different this week as opposed to the past two weeks. Uh, he was quick. He was decisive. The ball was coming out of his hand, um, on average, about 2.46 seconds, which was extremely quick. Uh, so that's what differentiated him this week, as opposed to the weeks prior against the Ravens and also the Patriots. So I was really impressed by Herbert making those adjustments and what have you. Keenan got back on track too, because we've we've been talking a little. Um, uh, he just hasn't been right uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, he had 12 ball, he caught 12 balls for 104 yards. Uh, in addition, I probably that's not how I probably said this. I'm not sure when Darren Sproles was a rookie, but uh, there's show some uh, life on special teams. Uh, I went over a couple episodes ago that the addition of Andre Roberts and also Dustin Hopkins were huge additions. Did I not say they're going to win you win uh, the Chargers some games, and that's exactly what happened this past week. Andre Roberts did a great job of kickoff returns. Uh, there was two or three returns that he almost took to the house. He just was one block away. Uh, he really helped flip this uh the field uh, scenario for them and Dustin Hopkins. Yes, I know he missed the extra point. All that being said, he what matters most, he made it was two for two for field goals, including the game winning field goal. So, uh, as Chargers fans, we will take that nine times out of ten. Uh, to pronounce, to pronounce it, 10 out of 10.
0: Um, so Lou, real quick, if mm-hmm. you don't mind me jumping in here, because the biggest thing that I think that you hit on that. I personally have been harping on for weeks is what did I say was the most vital component to the chargers offense, getting back on track. And it was number 13 breaking that century mark and getting more involved in the offense, 13 targets, 12 receptions, 104 yards. That's like, if this offense wants to be serious, serious, 13 has to make the impact that he made this week. You look at, you look up and down that stat sheet, not no other receiver had more than two receptions. And then you look yeah. over at Keenan and he's got 12. Like that's the difference, dude. That's the difference between a win and a loss when this guy's involved.
2: Yeah. If I was nitpicking um there's still things that I felt like uh, he could have improved upon his game. There's numerous uh routes that he was running. That were short of the sticks that he didn't get enough depth in them. Uh In addition, I felt like uh, you're
0: nitpicking. You're nitpicking.
2: I am. I am. Listen, as a, listen, I, I've listen I can't I, I I you know I can't do that uh but let's get back to the positive uh last thing finally let's give the offensive line some credit because we haven't been able to do it uh pretty much for this year uh they did a great job against that physical front uh of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh they only allowed one quarterback hit uh two weeks ago we said their right side which has been their Achilles heels because they're starting to back up uh, a right guard and a right tackle uh they did a great job. Storm Norton two uh, two weeks ago, their right tackle gave up eight pressures this year. This week, he gave up one pressure. So kudos to Storm Norton for having a you know good game. And as you can see, uh, when Her- when Herbert is decisive and the offensive line gives him time to throw, he's going to carve you up. So yep. uh, that was that was pretty much for me in the good. Uh, when it comes right, before down you
0: get before you get into the bad, mm-hmm. Jason. I know you and I were locked in on a totally different game in the four o'clock time slot, but. Did you have an opportunity to I know you're a big proponent of the all 22 and things of that nature. Were you able to look at any or have you even been watching charger tape so far this year to give kind of an input on what you saw in this game?
1: Yeah, just because and I hate I know that people hate to hear this, but because I'm so big into fantasy football, I do watch everybody. I do I may not be able to watch you live. And you know, if the 49ers are on, I'm gonna lock into you, but I will go back and I watch you. And I have a ton of Herbert shares and, and and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So I was really interested to figure out where Austin Eckler was gonna end up in this game as well. Too. Um, he had a few shots at the goal line to score. Um, I mean, kind of got stuffed. I, that, that was kind of what I got from it. And Mike Williams surprisingly wasn't somebody who popped off because Philly's defense is ripe for the picking at points. So I did I did like it uh, the fact that Keenan Allen was involved a lot more. He is the engine of this offense as well, too. But I feel like there is still there's still a way to get this offense rolling in a better direction, too, where it can be a little bit more of other people with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's gotta be your guy when you gotta have it money downs and everything as well, too. But I think Mike Williams is a little bit more banged up then he's leading on a little bit right because I remember vividly that one play at the goal line where Herbert steps back and he and he threw it right to Williams on the goal line and it just went through his hands it was just a little bit off but I think that that shoulder's bothering him a little bit more than he's leading on so if he can get right and if Eckler you know can just be as involved as he is all the time because he you know he will be because yeah he's he's a stud man I mean for for a little guy he takes a lot of punishment and you guys use him a lot um, I still think that there's another gear to this offense, and I think that that's what should make you guys excited because Herbert did play well. You know, that rushing touchdown was really big. I thought I thought that was, a, you know, a play where everything was covered up and he made a play, and that's, that's what makes the kids so special. But there is that extra gear to this offense that you guys can unlock, which right now, obviously you want to be playing your best football in November, but if you can get that rolling going into December, then that's when you become the hot team, and that's when the char- Chargers become more dangerous.
2: Yeah, uh again totally back agree. to that Mike again, back to that Mike Williams. Uh, we were saying a couple a couple of weeks ago, uh, all the Charger skill position players are unfortunately infamous, known for their drop passes. You know, Keenan has a bunch of drop passes this, this year, I think around six. Mike Williams is right behind him with five. Uh Jared Cook is like second in t- among tight ends and drop passes. So unfortunately, I don't know what's going on there. It's more concentration. And it didn't help with Mike Williams, but Darius Slay was covering him all game. Uh, they matched um, Slay. Big play up, Slay. Or, yeah, big play Slay on Mike Williams. So I think that has something to do with it because he's pretty damn good, uh, uh, Darius Slay. All
0: right, Lou, get into the bad because I know we're itching to get in and mm-hmm. quickly get out of the 49er talk. So okay. that leaves us with more time to spend on all the other topics tonight. So hit me with the bad from the, the Chargers-Eagles game.
2: Okay. My first bad uh, um, observation was more of the fourth down, uh, not going for it, but it's more of the execution, the calls that they were uh, pretty much uh, running when it comes to uh, uh, going for it. So, for example, uh, the first one they went for and they missed is when they drove 98 yards down the field. I didn't mind them going for it because when you're at your own two-yard line, your first thought process is, hey. I'm punting. Just, just, no, just get, yeah. us, just get us out of the back, uh, you know, the shadow of our goalposts. Yep. Then your next process is okay, let's try to change uh you know, the field position right now. So the fact that you know they were playing on house money, so I didn't mind them going for it. It's just the fact that I thought once again, Keaton Allen, he his the route that he ran did not get enough depth to cross the plane. And I thought that was an issue right there. So it's more of the execution of it. The second attempt, I'll tell you right now, um, I fucking lost it. Uh my daughter was like, you know, shocked that you know when I was yelling. All right. So it was fourth and two, and they ran a toss uh, to the left with Joshua Kelly. I'm not sure if you know who Joshua Kelly is, but let me tell you about Joshua Kelly. He's not big. He's not strong. He's not fast. All right. So what they're doing, what they did is they ran a toss to Joshua Kelly on the left hand side. They've done this four times now this year. And guess what happened? All four times they've done this, you know, this outside run with Joshua Kelly. He's gotten stuck. Yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't have enough speed to get to the outside. So they need to stop doing that. I was livid when it comes to uh, you know, that's the play, you know, you're calling. I'd rather just run off the gut, uh, you know, right behind Filer and Lindsley. So yeah. it's more of the execution. It was not about them going for it and not getting it. It's like really, Lombardi, that those are plays you're calling. Uh so uh, that was my first gripe I had with them. And second, I'm gonna apologize to all the millions of listeners that we have, but <laughs> you're gonna be hearing me. For the next nine weeks, like a broken record, saying, God damn, this run defense is awful. They made Jordan Howard and Boston Scott look like Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams from back in the day with the Panthers. Collectively, the Eagles ran 39 times for 176 yards and averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Now, let me tell you why this has been a huge issue for the Chargers, all right? On average, teams are averaging about five, six yards of carry on first down with the, you know, to the Chargers. So now you're talking about second, uh, second and three, second and four, right? The issue is, if you do stop them, stop your opposing offense at second and three and second and four, it's still third down and three, third down and four. It's extremely manageable. So you, we've been, I've been con- uh, complaining all all year that their pass rush is not getting there. It's not getting there because their the third down is not third and eight; it's third and seven. So they need to do a better job. I love Brandon Staley the person. I love Brandon Staley the mind and everything like that. But I feel like he's being a little stubborn because with his too high safety look, he needs to stop. Dro- uh, he needs to start dropping Derwin James, in, you know, into the box more so they can minimize those rushes on first down to second and you know to make it second and seven have a fighting chance on third down. That's why that's a particular reason why they have no pass rush, you know, on third down.
0: Yeah. So two quick points on that, right? So the first thing I think is, is a huge thing, because I think I see this all the time from my team. It's second and three, which doesn't just become, if even if they throw an incompletion, it's third and three. In this NFL, fourth and three, people are going for it, right? So when when you're at second and three, third and three, four, you're giving them basically an extra down to accumulate that, and that becomes tougher to overcome. But how I would summarize this for you, Lou, is a win is a win. Of course. In a a very tight AFC West, a win is a win. And you know what? You found yet another way to win. Not against a great team, albeit, right? Like, But you went on the East Coast. You won in a tight ball game. You saw your superstars do superstar-type things, which we haven't seen in a couple weeks. To me, you know, that just builds momentum, right? Like going into this week's game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I mean you have a tough Minnesota Viking team coming in that I think is better than their record shows. So like anything you could do to build confidence going up against a tough opponent. I mean, all opponents are tough. This is the NFL. We saw this this weekend. Like that's my biggest takeaway is a win. Cause I don't really know what that feels like right now.
2: Last thing. And then we can get on. I'll tell you right now uh, for the last like six years, the Chargers always lost pretty. I've always said that they've always lost pretty. Uh, I rather lose. I mean, I rather win ugly than lose pretty because I've seen that. I've seen that before. So I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, uh, winning ugly.
0: All right. All right. So thank you for that recap. Let's get into the debacle that was the. Speaking 49ers. of ugly, yeah, right. <laughs> was the 49ers against a freshman squad of the Arizona Cardinals that basically looked like an English Premier League soccer team playing an MLS soccer team when all was said and done. So. Jason, this is normally where I go on my rant. I'm not sure if you've ever you know, given us more than 15 minutes listening to us listen before, but since you're kind enough to join us tonight, I'm going to start us with one line, and then I'm going to pass it over to you because I want to get your thoughts. I normally go bad good when I'm talking about the 49er. So when I'm summarizing the bad, I say all of it, literally all of what I saw. Um, and I have some points that I'll throw in for clarity because I do think there was one or two things that I try to take away from every game. Listen, my wife tells me I'm far more attractive when I'm a positive person, and this podcast has turned me into a negative person. So I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. So I'll let you be negative, sir, on my behalf, and I can just smile while you're doing it. So tell me what we saw this weekend, because I still don't know.
1: bunch of bullshit. I mean, honestly, look, all right, no, seriously. I mean, this was... Putrid in in this res- in this regard. Obviously, you know it, it's really easy to get wrapped up. Okay, Kyler Murray's not going to play. Hopkins is not going to play. AJ Green's not going to play. JJ Watt's not going to play. You lose Chase Edmond on the second play of the game, so you're literally down all of your skill position players, and Colt McCoy comes walking in. So it's easy to get wrapped up and say, "Ah oh, man, easy win," right? I tried to throw a little bit of caution out there because if you remember, Colt McCoy last year as a New York Giant, went into Seattle and beat them. And he is a guy, when he's asked to spot start, one game can execute. And this is what I, I had been throwing as caution. Like, yes, the 49ers should win this game. I don't see the path to Arizona winning this game. But this is not something that you can dismiss and just say automatically, okay, this is a win, because Colt McCoy is very prepared. Two things that I learned in this game. One, Cliff Kingsbury really ran laps around D'Amico Ryans in this game. He really did. Um, I mean, just out of position. They killed him with the screen game. You Just ran right at Nick Bosa. They did everything right. They executed. They looked like the team that everybody thinks the San Francisco 49ers are. And the San Francisco yeah. 49ers have far bigger problems right now than anybody could have imagined. If the 49ers would have lost this game 31-17 to and Kyler Murray and all those guys were on the field, You take that and you just say, hey, they were the better team. To lose in this fashion, penalties, fumbles, execution, this is not a good football team right now. I'm sorry. And, And the reason that I can say that is we're in week 10 now, and the 49ers have about six quarters of football that have been good. Six quarters, and three of them are in week one against the Detroit Lions. That's not a good football team. So anybody who sits here and tries to tell you that they're a good football team, they are not. They are not right now. It is time to face facts. Now, the discussion changes after this game as to not only are you not good, what do you do going forward? Because they're in no man's land. All right, here's the positives real quick. George Kittle's still really good at football. Brandon Ayuk is really good at football as well, too. Fumbles aside for the both. Jimmy Garoppolo paid fine in this game. Fine. He was nowhere near the reason that this team lost. Eric Armstead looks really good, shockingly, when you play him inside. Who would have known? Twitter GMs around the world take your victory lap. Look at that. When he plays on the inside, he plays very well. Other than that, this team has not put together a complete game. Either Either in one game, the defense shows up and the offense doesn't, or the offense shows up and the defense doesn't. It's it's just not working right now. The Josh Norman thing was a microcosm of what's been going on with this team, where it's not executing, not holding their head. And that's the thing that really gets to me is veterans not keeping their cool. Nobody's executing. So how do you fix it? I'm tired of hearing about you need to execute better. We know that. How are you fixing it? Right now, it is not good in 49er land. And look who's peeking into your yep. building on Monday. A very angry Los Angeles Rams team who also was shockingly knocked off on national television. Wild week. But this one was the most shocking outcome out of all of them. And Maybe the Bills game is probably the most shocking outcome. But when you look at who was on Arizona's side, the 49ers, this is the lowest point of the Shanahan era. This was Jim Tom, Tomsula, Chip Kelly-esque type loss. And yeah. uh, I guess that's my rant. At home, at, by I, the way. By the way, nonetheless. Home. Well, we
0: haven't won. We haven't won a game in almost two years at home. So this is another reality that we're
1: faced with. Do you think um, Arizona so I, will let us play their games, or play our home games there again? I
0: mean, if we get, if we right, I mean, if we can sniff the playoffs, right? I'm sure they'll take the extra revenue. No worries, right? And we played much better there. Um, and for whatever reason, we're much better. Can we just play every game on the East Coast in the one o'clock time slot? Because that just seems to be where we play our best football. Um, literally year over year over year so i agree with so much of what you said um it's but here's my conundrum in the nfl and this has proven itself not just with colt mccoy but time and time and time again when you sleep on a backup quarterback in a spot start you're gonna they're gonna creep up on you no matter what mike white right like look like the best quarterback in the nfl on a spot start remember well, Nick well, he is.
2: well he, he is by the way he just it's a you, shame they got hurt
0: do you remember Nick Mullen's first start as a San Francisco 49er quarterback? Oh my God, right? We're all talking about this is the becoming of next coming of Brett Farr from you know Southern uh, Missouri, whatever. Like it's it's just it's you sleep on a they're in the NFL for a reason, right? And I always say that a team is only as good as their backup quarterback. And the Arizona Cardinals just showed me that they're a really good football team because they didn't have you talk about depth. Now I think some of it is lack of execution on our ends. Cause you talked about the George Kittle fumble. You talked about the Brandon, Ayuk fumble. Those were in inopportune spots, right. Where changes the game flow where, you know, the, the talk of the Twitter town and 49ers world was, why do we get away from the run? Why do you get away from the run? Well, when you spot a team 17 fucking points, you get away from the run, right? Like it's just a totally different ball game where if you're handing off, like, Ayuk doesn't fumble that ball. You bet your ass there's probably three handoffs in a row down there. Right. Like kid right after that kid will play. If he just goes down after a 25, 26 yard pickup the next play, I'll guarantee you it's a toss outside, right. Or it's outside the tackles. Like, and Elijah Mitchell has proven that he is a steal in this draft. Like this guy fits what we want to do. And he runs fast and hard and he's physical. And you look at all of his yards, they're all after contact and we are a yak driven offense, right? Like, whether it's yards after catch or yards after contact, we exuberate yak. One thing that continues to plague me here, Jason, is just the week after week slow starts. Why I'm bothered by this, and I, you know, I read just like everybody else, I do not just, dis- I do not subscribe to that. This starting slow or fast falls on the coaches. It listen, every NFL coach has a scripted first 15 sometimes even a scripted first 30 those are the plays that you pre- you focus on the most at practice to me it comes down to execution play this is a performance driven league and players get paid to play this is not pop warner this is not high school the coach doesn't need to be the one to pep you up and get your blood flowing that's for your veteran leaders. That's for Fred Warner. Remember Patrick Willis, what he would do on that sideline and pull everybody and get that blood flowing? Like as fans, I'd watch that hype. And this team is missing that, right? Like that is what this team is missing. And that's what to me is contributing to flat starts. There's no urgency. Drake Dre Patrick getting trucked by Ito Benjamin perfectly summarized this game. He literally got steamrolled and we got steamrolled in every facet of this game. Now, if you look at the stat line, you'd be like, hey, Jimmy played pretty well. And I'm the first to admit, Jimmy did not lose this football game for us. He is not to blame. He's not to fault. He moved the ball well. He was efficient. One turnover, end of the game, didn't take sacks, like did some things really, really well. But you and I both watch all 22. And when you turn it on, you see it's still the same misreads, misprogressions, leaving people wide open in the middle of the field for chunk plays. And I just for the life of me don't understand for a guy who's like, I know you're not on this team next year you know you're not on this team next year but you you're probably auditioning for your next contract are you not like you're a vet let the ball rip man you got nothing to lose just throw it like it can't get yeah. any worse right now so like and that's where i'm um, perplexed right um so before we get out of here because i feel like you're done with your rant and you want to move on with this and i definitely want to move on with this too i do want to applaud like you said george kittle still can play this game welcome back iuk hey, look, this offense looks really, really different when you start to get them involved. Who would have thought? You know, We saw that last year. I just talked about Mitchell. The the biggest positive for me is I realistically feel like we are one loss away from finally seeing Trey Lance, Banks, maybe Sermon, maybe Demo comes back, Ambry Thomas, Jalen Moore. To me, this season now becomes if what I think is going to happen on Monday night happens, it is now time to see who's on this roster, in 2022 and that's okay with me right
1: like i am okay with that absolutely and i think that a lot of the frustration that is building from the fan base was because of this 2019 narrative that was sold about running it back and thinking that you can duplicate that ask a bears fan today on wednesday how they feel about losing on monday they are excited and why are they excited because they have a glimpse into what's down the line And that's what this season should have been about from the beginning, developing Trey Lance, developing your guys and the future, because it's obviously not going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Right now, a Bears fan just watched their team lose in heartbreaking fashion on Monday, and they woke up on Tuesday and probably felt like they won that game. Why? Because Justin Fields has gotten plenty of reps and he is looking much better. And that's what you have to look forward to. The 49ers have mishandled this entire situation and sold this fan base an impossible dream. And that's why this frustration was built here. I guarantee you, if it was a 49er team that was three and five right now with Trey Lance starting week one and he's progressing, everybody would be fine with everything right now. But they're not because you lied to everybody and you sold everybody a dream of being able to run back an impossible set of circumstances, which happened in 2019 that led to a Super Bowl run. It's unfortunate. Hey,
2: hey, quick question: Uh, Are you think Bears fans are more happy with the progression of Justin Fields or the fact that uh, they probably have nine more weeks with Matt Nagy?
1: (laughs) Well, well, one way or another, one way or another, whoever the next head coach is, they're getting a they're getting a good one. They're getting Uh, a good uh, one. And I think those guys know that they have their guy for 10 to 12 years. And I'd like to know that feeling.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm going to fall on my sword here because I was definitely one of these screw it. I'll call myself a pundit, right. Going into the season where I said, and maybe it's because I was, I bought the bag of goods that was being sold to me. Right. And I paid, I paid full price for it. I get all of that, but I did firmly believe, and I am documented on this, that, you, you didn't roll with Trey right out of the gate, right? Because I did believe that like, hey, what we saw of Jimmy in 2019 was like, wow, this is what we were hoping for in 2017. It wasn't stellar, but it was good enough, you know? And then we didn't get to see that in 2020 for so many reasons. So it's was like, maybe he's he's got, he's got more experience in Shanahan's offense. Let's call it what it is, man. Trey Lance is almost two years removed from competitive football, right? Like at an FCS level, this is... This is not the FCS, right? Like all of these players are the Uber athletic and the Uber, you know, top Uber talent in the world. So I said, let I didn't want to say this was Mahomes Smith, right? Because it's not first of all, not neither one's like of the same skill set. I just thought it was bide its time, right? Like, but at any time you could pivot this. And Lou will tell you that, like, by week three, I was ready to pivot this because. I wasn't seeing anything impressive out of Jimmy that I didn't actually believe that Trey couldn't do himself. Right. So like, then it was more about get the reps. Do we have enough talent around him? And the real answer is like, we don't, you know, like it's just not the same 2019 team. It's just not like no veteran leadership. You know, I don't want to say no defars Buckner, but like a big missing piece. But again, there's just like, I, I feel like when I look back at it now, people like, Quan Alexander and Richard Sherman were much more instrumental in the success of this team than we probably even gave them credit for from a veteran leadership standpoint, right? You had a lot of young kids out there just running around doing some things and you had some veterans that were like the glue together. So I have one question back for you, Jason, before we get out of this. Yep. While we have you tonight, I am actually dying to get your a minute. Just give me a minute on how you are feeling about Kyle Shanahan as our head coach at this moment, because the obvious is, you know, what does fan stand for? Fanatical, right? So you have people on one side that are just like, get rid of this guy. And others ones are like, maybe we need to change the responsibilities. I'll tell you right now, I am of the school of thought, and I certainly do not subscribe to getting rid of this guy because he will be hired in a second. And I think we will regret that. I want to see him attached to Trey. But I don't, you know. But I also don't know what that will yield. So tell me, like, your thoughts in a minute, if you can, on Kyle.
1: Yeah, and I mean, real quick. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's not going anywhere. Okay, yep. like he he. They, they didn't trade the farm for trade lands to get rid of him and have someone else try to groom him. That's not the idea. The last excuse that Kyle Shanahan has is that he hasn't had his guy. This is his guy, and whether you wanted to start him or not, that's a whole other thing. But I I will say that this, as a co-founder of Only Chance, I am frustrated, and I am frustrated because of the one arrogance. And and how naive he has been this entire offseason to think that he could have handled this quarterback situation the way that he did. Let's do a little bit of timeline. Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, uh, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Joe Montana. Literally every single able bodied two arm quarterback under the sun, Tom Brady, you flirted with all offseason. And then Aaron, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers, you on draft night. Yeah. On draft night. You pivot right after that to plan Z, which is trade everything for for three, you know, to get to three. And then you look everybody in the face and say, Jimmy Garoppolo's been my guy. You have been actively trying to replace this man for two years. How do you think that that looks in the locker room? How do you think that that looks to Jimmy Garoppolo? In, In my eyes, when you're trying to replace him as desperately as you are, you make that move. I don't care if you don't get anything for him. You get him off your roster. You rip the band-aid off and do what you have been doing with your action. To think that you were going to be able to hold Jimmy Garoppolo and do this old school mentality because it is old school and it's played out for quarterbacks to sit behind someone else. Kyler Murray didn't sit. Justin Herbert played right away. Joe Burrow played right away. All of these guys are successful right now. That's not how this works anymore. Josh Allen's the only one who actually progressed through his groin pains because he was raw, but at least he played right away. It was arrogant. It was naive to think that he had a handle on this and it's blown up in their face to the point right now where they're in no man's land at this point. And you could have all seen this coming because Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is and he will not change the way that he's playing. And I feel bad for Jimmy, too, because it's not like he's playing horribly, but he's going to lose his job because it's not his time. And they should have been giving these reps to Trey Lance.
0: Yep. So you and I see eye to eye, right? Like. Not only is he not going anywhere, Kyle, like I don't necessarily want him to go anywhere just yet, but I do know there's, there needs to be shakeups and there needs to be changes. And we need to look into like player development and who's actually making the decisions on people that we're bringing in. Like for the life of me, I can't understand why our second round and both third round picks haven't even like have barely seen the field this year. Like that to me, those are, those are typically plug and play starters for teams in the NFL. Right. And, and just. Obviously, is not right now. So, all right, we're done with that. Let's shake it off. Let's go have a little more fun right you now. Guys need a, you guys need a wusa now. Woosah. I know. Yeah, I'm good. I need a. Everybody, just take a virtual hug. A virtual <laughs> hug moment. <laughs> or so pop, Yeah, or pop. exactly. <laughs> um, so let's get into our offensive and defensive performance of the week, and then we're gonna get into we're gonna get into a lot of fun mid year rewards, etc. Jason, again, since you were kind enough to join us. Why don't you, if you had this opportunity, tell me who your offensive performer of the week was this
1: week? Man, so many crazy performances, right? So, like, this was such a wild week in the terms of, for instance, Josh Johnson, backup quarterback for the New York Jets, was the number three overall quarterback on the week. And that's insane to me when you really think about that, right? Um, In terms of who I thought would probably be the offensive uh, player of the week this week. Probably going to be Justin Herbert in this game. I in in this one because of his numbers. He was just great in this game. I mean, I, I was really I, again. I understand, you know, the whole got to get the ball around and everything. But I thought Justin Herbert played very well, man. And I think that I think that this is the get-right kind of, like, leadership game that he had, like, you know, to, to kind of stake his claim as, like, yeah, man, I'm still here and I'm still that guy. Um, so I, I was really impressed with Justin Herbert. And that's not me sucking up to you, Lou, or anything like that. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it just is what it is. I just really like what I saw from him. I thought that touchdown run was really, really um, emphatic. And I was like, man, there it is right there. Look at the kid. And, and it was gritty, right? Because it wasn't, you know, that like you said – the 49ers are finding ways to lose games. That's a sign of a bad team. Good teams find ways to win games, and that's what the Chargers did this week. And I was impressed with Justin Herbert, so I'll say Justin Herbert this week. All right. Love All
0: it. Right. So now that Jason probably stole your thunder, Lou. No, no, no. Who, who, no, who no. are you going to roll with no, this week?
2: Weston, w- you know I'm never a homer. Yeah, that's you know. true. You I are like a, you are
0: not a homer. That I have like, like a, a love hate
2: relationship yeah. with the Chargers. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to open up the fresh wounds, and I'm not even going to co- go close to. The, this you know the city of San Francisco this past week. Maybe you will, uh Weston, if you dare so. I'm gonna say Jonathan Taylor. Uh oh, he yeah. he everyone well, I feel like a lot of people forget about those Thursday night games, but he was phenomenal. He had 19 carries for 172 yards, two touchdowns, and that 78 yard uh, you know, uh long scamper down the you know the right sideline. He's been phenomenal. Uh we covered in the offseason that uh he was one of my top 10 running backs, you know, in the league. I think he was like the number eight. Uh, Because especially we did towards, I think the last six or seven games, and I thought it was an upward uh, progression for him. So, uh, and guess what? He's been phenomenal this year, and he he was really physical against the Jets, and he he had a lot of breakaway speed. Uh, I was very impressed by him, and he's the real deal. So, I thought he had one of the best weeks, uh, you know, when it comes to an offensive standpoint. 9.1
0: Nine nine point one yards a carry. That's that's, that's never, insane, man. And he has to nineteen at. touches.
1: 19, I know. nineteen. Nineteen. And he touches. got hurt. And he got hurt in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah, true. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, Lou, I love your point that everybody sleeps on the Thursday night game. And Jason, I love how you led with Josh Johnson because I was really actually tempted to put him as my player of the week more because I'm spiteful because during that game, if you recall, they're just like they're like listing all the stops that Josh Johnson has had in his professional career, and they just completely neglected to say that he had literally three stints when San Francisco, right? Like he's been on our roster multiple times. And there were times where I was like, just put this guy in. Like, you Practice know, he legend. yeah. Like just put this guy in. Um, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pour salt right in the goddamn wound. Uh, this was James Conner. The Yeah, turn it player, was, all it, all it really was. Week, dude, 21 for 96, two tutties, five receptions for 77 yards. Another tutty. This man had 173 total yards of offense. And I mean, dude, they, It pissed me off. Don't get me wrong. But in the middle of the game, they were calling him John Connor, right? Like by accident, right? Because they're literally seeing and thinking of the Terminator. And I'm just like, I can't lie. Now, this is like this is a one-off James Connor type season, right? Like he's getting in the end zone. He's like a fantasy football player's wet dream right now. Um, I don't think I'm a Fordham grad. So let me be very clear about this. Chase Edmonds is my man, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody roots harder for Chase Edmonds, even on a competitive team than me. So it broke my heart to even see him go down partly because I'm carrying his ass in fantasy as well. But that being said, this was James Conner. I mean, this is literally a career game for him that he had against us this week. Yeah. Yep. I didn't want to I didn't want to do it. Didn't want I wanted to make No, nah, I'll do it, man. I listen. I'm here to I, I, you got to pay your respects, right? Like this man embarrassed another squad and he deserves to be a pre, not that he's ever going to hear this or know about it, but James Connors, you, you're getting love for me right now. I'll, t- I'll tag him. I'll tag. Him. I appreciate that. <laughs> Make sure you tag John Connor, not James <laughs> Connor. So, all right, Jason defense on the defense side of the ball. Lou and I were joking before you hopped on with us that this was a pretty good week for a couple of defensive players, right? There was a couple guys that really stood out on film and uh, in, in the stats. So who would you label or peg as like who had the most noteworthy defensive performance this week?
1: I'm going to steal it before you guys do, because you allowed me to go first, Josh Allen. I yeah. mean, Josh <laughs> Allen literally, literally did everything. I mean, I was tempted between Josh Allen and um someone else. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say the other person's name because maybe you guys are going to say it. Um, But Josh Allen, sacking Josh Allen, fumble recovery on Josh Allen, interception Perception. on Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, literally <laughs> three things that you're never going to see again as a football fan. How could it not be him? It led to a win. He was the catalyst. He was all over the field. The kid is unbelievable. Giants fans, if you're listening, you could have had, in back-to-back drafts, Josh Allen and Josh Allen. Yeah. And you did not do either of those things. No. Um, so, yes, but Josh Allen was incredible, man. So, yeah, all over the
2: field. yeah, I am tell- I watched a lot of that game. Um and Josh Allen was harassing Josh Allen and going. It was just he literally. Josh Allen had literally numbers in like every statistical category you can think of. Force fumble, fumble recovery. You said interception, sack. Pass. He had a pass defense too. Like he he was phenomenal this past weekend.
1: Yeah, and to to see NFL history like that because yeah. I, I I kept tweeting it. Josh I, Allen yeah. sacks Josh Allen NFL history. <laughs> Josh Allen fumble recovery NFL history, and, and it's just. You know it's fun to say that, but Josh Allen is a baller, though. He really
2: yeah,
0: is. Yeah. I agree. The, to me, this was the best game I've seen him play. And I think it was listen, he doesn't play in the national spotlight, right? Like it's so it's like you don't he's not on anybody's fantasy squad, right? So you don't follow him with the same conviction that you do other players in the league. But I think what brought him to notoriety of this week was a beating the Buffalo Bills, but to your point, Josh Allen on Josh Allen, Josh Allen on Josh Allen, like. This is like a commentator's dream. This is a a media, you know, individual's dream. So, but this usually does happen to me because I always let Lou go first. So usually he just steals my person. So I'm glad you stole it because Lou was going to steal it anyway. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't. I, okay, I, so I, I had him here. But who was your number one then, Lou? Since you're saying Josh Allen wasn't.
2: Uh, one of my favorite uh, players in this previous year's uh, NFL draft, uh, I'm going to say Micah Parsons.
1: Wow, that's who I was going to say. I'm glad. I'm so stayed. glad you did. Oh, bro. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
2: Uh, he, he balled out second week in a row. I mean, more than second week in a row, but second week in a row, he really showed a lot of progression. Uh, he had 10 tackles, two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, three QB hits, and he had a play. On Jerry Judy, where he basically just dragged him out of the bounds with his one hand. It was like reminiscent this past weekend what I did to my three year old daughter when she's throwing a fit and I had to take her <laughs> out of Trader Joe's. You should. This is like grown man strength because Judy was, you know, gearing up and Josh and uh, I was going to say Josh Allen. Uh, Michael Parsons just literally came, you know, flying, you know, to the east side of, of the field and just like ripped him out of bounds with one hand. Uh, we, I, he was one of my favorite players in the NFL draft this past year and. For these reasons, he can do. I feel like he could. He's not your traditional off the ball linebacker. He could uh, apply pressure to the quarterback. He's all over the field, and you notice the last two two weeks have been uh, have been better for him for the mere fact that he's no longer calling plays. He's just playing now. He's just reacting, seeing, reacting, boom, go get him, and uh, that that's been huge. I feel like because he's been really balling out uh, against the Vikings in this past week. Well, there
0: you have it. So my one and two have both been stolen. I'm so pre- <laughs> I'm so glad that I come prepared with multiple people every week because I don't like to be – There's like so be- many this week.
2: There's so many this mm-hmm. week. There was. Time.
0: There was. So since I get to go last here and you both stole my thunder, I'm going to drop – I'm going to say a name that I was really tempted to and I'm going to give you my guy. Troy Hill was another one that I thought had yes. a really outstanding yeah. defensive performance. But my guy this week, um, outside of the two that you have aforementioned, I'm going to say J.C. Jackson. So I'm a big J.C. Jackson fan. First of all, I love defensive backs. I love the divas of the NFL. It's it's like I love guys out on an island because uh, it's go big or go home with those guys, you know. Um, when they make mistakes, everybody knows. But when they make a big play, everybody knows because they're always in the camera line. But two tackles, two picks, you know, a long one return for a TD, two passes defense. And since I couldn't say Micah Parsons or Josh Allen, I'm going with J.C. Jackson this week as as my defensive player of the week.
1: Real quick, like
2: Jeffrey it. Jeffrey Simmons also balled out too. Yep, yeah. uh, he's been phenomenal this year.
1: Yep. Yeah, you know, um, Cam Bynum had a great game too, yep. as well. And and um, uh, it's not Anthony Barton I'm thinking of. Eric Kendricks had a great game for Minnesota. Man, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand they played five quarters, but still, like, he had, like eighteen, 18 tackles. tackles. Yeah, eighteen
0: mm-hmm. tackles in an NFL game—that is silly. Oh. I almost said Bobby Okereke just because I wanted to say Okariki first and then correct myself and be like, I didn't know we changed pronunciations of names like mid season, you know, like I just didn't right. know that was a thing, but what do I know? So, all right, this is what, this is the moment I've actually been waiting for getting into our mid season awards. So I think we can, in this, in this instance, if, if we're saying the same person, let's say the same person, let's agree to say that, say that person because like want to give these people their, you know, their due props. So, Jason, again, as our guest, I'm going to lead with you, and I'm going to start with Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm not doing by conference, just Offensive Rookie
1: of the Year. Uh, Right now it's got to be Najee Harris. I mean, uh, I understand that they're not running the ball very well, but and he's not exactly the bell cow that they want. And if you watch Monday Night Football, they were trying to make that happen because Ben Roethlisberger is so limited right now. But what he's doing um, in the receiving game, he's been great for them, and he's been saving them on so many plays because Ben is so limited at this point. Great quarterback, but obviously this is the end of the line. Right now, um, I think that it's him. There's, I'm sure you guys are going to say the other person who – I know for a fact is there, but uh, right now, Najee Najee is the the driving force of that offense. The reason that I'm leaning away from the person that I know you guys are going to say is that they have other weapons that are actually really good. And I understand that this person is also a record-breaking start. Um, but Najee Harris is like l- like shouldering the entire load for those guys. No Juju Smith-Schuster. Chase Claypool is injured now. Deontay Johnson's fantastic. I love him. But Ben Roethlisberger can barely get him the ball down the field. Najee Harris is being asked to get tough yards and bail Ben Roethlisberger out. They're leaning on the kid heavy, and he's been involved since day one. Yeah.
0: I can't even argue with that. One thing I will say, though, when you're talking about like the struggles of – let's just call it Ben getting it to these receivers and like having impact – what a what a steal Fryermuth was, huh? Lou, you called this, you know, leading into hey. the draft. This is one of your guys that from the Senior Bowl, right? Yeah, like, I was
2: I was a point on in the draft. By the way, I, I was huge high, I, I was really high on Muth. I watched a lot of his tape, and um, he was someone I wanted the Chargers to charge his target in round two. Picture him in this LA in the, with the LA offense. Uh, I just Dabin. think
0: he's a, a a perfect fit for Pittsburgh as a city. On the team, Jason, you were at the senior ball, weren't you? Were you down I was, at the senior ball? Muth, so you got yeah. to see him firsthand, right?
1: Yeah, Muth was killing it out there, man. And uh yeah, I mean, he is perfect. He he fits in that Heath Miller mold. Like he just seems like he just a perfect fit. Like you almost couldn't. And the Penn State guy, like you know, yep. so like I think that you know, I think that it, it was a it was a perfect fit. Pennsylvania gets to go home. It's all it's all good. I think, and I know that that has nothing to do with how players perform, but he is a perfect fit over there, and he's yeah. he's actually ascending right now. Uh, he's playing fantastic
0: so lou i'm gonna go second because oh, i don't want you stealing my guy
1: try, bro you know what I, you know a lot
2: of people call me a prick and i get it it's justified and warranted however i'm gonna be a gentleman and i'll let you talk about pro- probably who you're gonna talk about because you know who well, i want to talk about I know, because, I know i know i know i got you i got you said one, with, i said day this
0: was my favorite player in the draft I know, this year i, know. I, I, listen, I got best i got i got you i got the trust best me. football player in the draft this year And he's proven me right. Jamar Chase, 44 receptions, 835 yards. That's third in the NFL behind Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, right? As a rookie, Um, we're talking about seven TDs. That's tied for fourth, 19 yards per catch. That's tied for third from a rookie. But I do think some of this was to be expected, right? Like it's not often a collegiate player gets to reunite with their collegiate quarterback that they had the most success with. So there was already on-field chemistry before you even got to like training camp and familiarity. So I expected I knew in the preseason that the drops and all that shit that was going on with him, and like, hey, the laces are different, and there's not the stripe on the ball. Like, when like when the game when the game lights are on, Jamar Chase is ready to play football. Is the way that I break it down. So that to me, right now, I was tempted to go one other direction, but I didn't um, because offensive lineman can't be rookie of the year. It's Jamar Chase. I know, I know, oh. dude. I know, I know, I know. All right, know. all right. See, Here we
2: go. Here we go let me tell you what's wrong with uh, society nowadays. Right? <laughs> it's people like you, Wesson, Right, Fat guys need loving, too. All right, no, you, you both got it wrong. You both got it wrong. It's a Sean Slater. And let me tell you why it's a Sean Slater. If you were to say he's the best offensive tackle in the AFC right now, people wouldn't look at you so crazy. He's allowed only one pressure or less in five of his eight games. Uh, he balled out against Miles Garrett. He did give up a sack and what have you. But the reason why he did give up the sack is because Austin Eckler uh, chipped Garrett and uh, basically redirected him into uh, Slater's inside shoulder where he wasn't expecting it. And after that happened, Slater looked at Eckler and said, listen, you got to stop chipping him. Let me take him. He did and shut him down for the rest of the game. He's a PFF grade for 81.9. Uh, Rashawn Slater, it won't happen. but No, it he won't. Should, but he should be the offensive rookie of the year. I'm, you I'm never hear it. his name. You never offensive lineman. If you don't hear their name, you're doing something right.
0: So, J- Jason, you started only Shans. Maybe you can help Lou start only Rashans. Only Rashans. <laughs> yep, that's it. let start
2: that up. All right. So let's.
0: I'm actually shocked, right, that we had three different names here because I do want us to like agree at some point. So, Jason, again, the floor is yours. Give me your defensive rookie of the year.
1: Michael Parsons, I think right now. And I think that a lot of the criticisms that he took early on in the season were for people that don't really understand the techniques. Um, I'm not going to call out the person but um, week one in Tampa Bay, there's a play where he's at the line and he's jumping back and they're like, man, he looks so lost. No, that's robot technique. You run for you're looking for the run first and then you're, you're looking for the crosser and uh, you you're, he's picking it up right now. And uh, for the for the Cowboys to actually nail a defensive player um, besides Trevon Diggs in the draft and everything as well, that's something that they don't normally do. Um, so I, I think it's him right now. And I think that he is ascending at the right time for them. I, I still think that this week was just a bit of a fluke, but Michael Parsons is, is the guy I think right now. Um, and I think that he's, uh, jumping ahead with each week that he puts out on tape.
2: Yeah. That gentleman you were talking about, by the way, he got, he got murdered by a lot of, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. stick to
1: fantasy, bro. Exactly.
2: <laughs> stick, to, stick to the numbers, man. Stick to yeah, the numbers. man. So, uh, but, tell me who you got. You got you got I, the same? You know, uh, I've I've been on the Parsons train since day one, uh, and I agree with uh, Jason 100% coldheartedly. On eight games, uh, he's had he has five sacks, 52 to- uh, total tackles, uh, 10 tackles for loss, 14 uh, QB hits. This is a, this is you know a linebacker, an off the ball linebacker. I know they utilize him in different ways and what have you, but yep. these are numbers you would see strictly from um, a pass rusher. Also, shout out to O.C. Uh He's been balling pretty good, too, this year, and uh, he was one of uh, my guys from the Senior Bowl, too. Uh, high motor guy, and he's, he's another one of those guys that's really transformed that uh, Dallas Cowboys defense.
0: Yeah, I got Micah, too. Uh, I think it's hands down at this point in the season. Um and I don't see that trajectory changing if he continues on uh, on on this path. What I love, what I think my favorite thing about him is, is he's just one of those guys to me that outside of playing the nose in like a three four alignment can play any position on the defensive side of the ball and probably excel. Um, he's just got a, a different level skill set. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife of a defense, like you said, like. A, a, Middle linebacker. Now he's playing off the line, right? Now he's coming off the edge. Now he's, you know, coming through the gaps in in blitzing schemes. Like, he's just making it all work for him. The other outside name I would throw out there is just Aziz Ojulari. I just think he's having a better season than most people anticipated. You know, coming off of, you know, uncertainty around his knee injury as a second-round pick. A lot of teams, like, passed on him. Like, originally might have had a first-round grade on that
1: guy and slipped Why didn't the 49ers jump all over him? An edge rusher with a knee injury, and now you don't want him?
0: No, because we got rid of Balky, dude. If Balky was here, that's a home run. We're taking him three overall. We're trading up to get him. Um, Don't even even get me started on the second round because uh, the swing and misses in the second round, like, I don't, I still don't understand why Asante Samuel Jr. is not donning 26 and a 49. Creed Creed Humphrey?
2: Because he looks, he looks so much better in powder blue, baby. Sure
0: does. We all (laughs) look better in powder blue, don't we? All right. So let's talk about, let's flip the script a little bit. Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. Jason, give me your Offensive Player of the Year so far.
1: Cooper Cup, man. I mean, Damn. what the hell is going on? I mean, I like, he, it's so crazy how he was he was already known as one of the better slot receivers in the league, and that was with Jared Goff. Obviously, the upgrade to quarterback, you could have seen a number shoot up, but you would have never seen him shoot up to this level. I mean, he looks unguardable right now, and he has a guy who's making all the throws. Some of these numbers are just ridiculous. 74 catches, we're in Week 10, 1,019 yards, 10 touchdowns. And 113 mm-hmm. yards per game, which is still second in the league uh, to uh, Debo Samuel. All right. The but second. I just want to make sure we put that. But <laughs> with another game that they've added, he's probably going to go for two bands as long as he no. stays healthy, man. So I think it's Cooper Cup. And uh, this season is remarkable.
0: Yeah. If, if he breaks Calvin Johnson's record, I, I demand an asterisk, an asterisk because yes. of an extra game. But everything that you just rattled off, 74 receptions, 1,019 yards, 10 touchdowns. First, first, and first in all categories. Right? How often do you see that? And wow, wow, what an impact Matthew Stafford is having on this gentleman's career. One more, it is one more,
1: one more little thing. Cooper Cup is the first player since Jerry Rice in 1990 to have a thousand yards and ten or more touchdowns in his first ten games. It's crazy. So you need to know. Crazy. And
0: you're in the company of. The GOAT. And when I say GOAT about Jerry Rice, I legit mean the greatest football player of all time. That's so how. Guys, that's so, the
2: guys, I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. So you're saying Cooper Cup is better than Jerry Rice.
0: Okay? <laughs> Stop right now. Put the numbers <laughs> say.
2: That's
1: it. Don't watch <laughs> the it. film, man. Just that's go for it. <laughs>
2: it.
0: Lou, who you got? You got Cooper but, as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's on pace for 2,038 yards. And you, like you say, he leads the NFL and catches yards, touchdowns, 20-plus yard catches as well. Receptions for first down. There's not a statistic, uh, a stat out there uh, when it comes to reception standpoint that he doesn't lead. He's second in forty uh, plus yards catches too. So uh, it, is, it is Cooper Cup. If Derrick Henry was was healthy, it, I think it would be actually more neck and neck because Henry was uh, fine in the end zone at alarming rate. Uh, and I know he wasn't as efficient and productive as he w- w- was in the past from a yards per s- uh, rush standpoint. But I think it would have been a little more interesting if Henry was still, uh, you know, uh,
1: out there. All right. Still leads the league in rushing, I believe. Yeah, he does. He Sniper close. Sniper
0: <laughs> close. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, all right. So it's unanimous. Cooper Cup. Yeah. Offense player of the year. Defensive player of the year, Jason. You're you're you lead. Whew,
1: Miles Garrett, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, what else can this guy do? I mean, he's about to pass his, his um career high total next week. I mean, yeah. he's got already 12 sacks. He's at 13 and a half. Twelve sacks, twelve T- TFLs, twenty-three hits on the quarterback. I mean, it's just it's it's unreal. The guy looks like somebody who you built in a lab, um, putting it all together, and he's about to smash all his career uh, highs right now. So I'm gonna give it to Miles Garrett at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, you stole my thunder there. It's definitely Miles Garrett. It's, he's head and shoulders above anyone. He leads the league in uh, sacks with twelve, and like you said, he is really gonna blow his numbers out of the water. Uh, he's six QB hits away from his career high of twenty-nine. Uh, he's only a sack a, uh, half away from uh, his best season ever. Uh, like I said, it, it's definitely Miles Garrett, and it's not just T.J. Watt is a great player and all, but he does find himself. He he gets sacks in interesting ways. Miles Garrett, uh, he produces sacks, uh, in, in my opinion. And watching some of his pass rushing moves, there was a, a footage out there. It was like a, it was like an Allen Iverson crossover on the left tackle that it looked like he teleported and. Miles Garrett is literally the perfect combination: size, speed, and technique too. So it's it's uh, usually we're talking about Aaron Donald at this time, but it is for me, it's Miles Garrett right now. All
0: right, so it's, it's going to be Garrett by split decision because I've got T.J. Watt here. Mm-hmm. Uh, T.J. is a half a sack off of Miles for the for the year. The difference for me is some of the other statistical categories, and when I look at things like forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, passes defense. You know, the Watt brothers just tend to do a lot more at the line of scrimmage. I agree with you. Some of Watt's sacks are manufactured, right? By schemes and being in that really wide nine technique, the way that he comes down. I have to laugh that any of you guys see like when JJ and TJ were watching film together, like, and like the NFL countdown leading in and they were just like critiquing each other's film. And JJ was just like destroying TJ. Like, <laughs> bro, I got to do all of this. Like this just happens for you. Like you're lined <laughs> up and you know what? He still has to do it though. So yeah. I, I was so tempted to put Garrett. I was really tempted to put Trayvon Diggs here just cause seven INTs, like nine games in is like crazy to me or eight games in whatever it is. I'm um, for the Cowboys, but i had tj but i can't even argue with with uh garrett so this is my this the next two are, are what i'm most interested to hear from you guys so yes. let's start with league mvp again jason you have the honor sir
1: man if you would have asked me a few weeks ago i would have had one answer you would ask me two weeks later i would have had First another chance. answer but we're week nine where we're at right now oh this is such a boring answer but it's tom brady and and the reason that I'm going to say is Tom Brady and I would have probably said Kyler a few weeks ago he gets injured I would have said Josh Allen but he's he's struggling a little bit right now. Um how 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 is this still happening? I mean your your numbers are still insane. Let me rattle off some of these numbers real quick for him. Um 67.3% of his throws third highest rate of his career, 25 touchdowns leads the league, 20, 26 uh 50 yards putting him on pace for 50 touchdowns 5000 yards. How is this possible? And this is possible right now. With a defense that is not nearly as dominant as it was in years past, because that secondary is getting picked on right now. And he's in about to go into this game this week. It looks like Chris Godwin's not gonna play. Tony O'Brown's not gonna play. It'll just be him, Mike Evans, and whoever else they just signed Brashad Perryman. Do you have any doubt that he's gonna go? He's not gonna go in there and light up, uh yeah. light up the opponent. So, yeah, I mean, if you would ask me a few weeks ago, I'd probably give you an, a different answer. But right now it's Tom Brady, and it's a really boring answer because it's like, dude, we get it. We get it already. We get it. Just go home. We get it already. Yeah, yeah. Just stop, man. What are you? (laughs) Who are you proving this to? Is it because you're angry at Bill Belichick? But right now, it's Tom Brady. I think, and uh, I I uh, just—you'll never witness like anything like this ever again.
0: I loved how you phrased it. Like, I know. You know. You're just almost like I. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say this out loud. But watch out for Scotty Miller, who's going to have like a buck and a half and two tuddies this weekend, right? Like, it's just what's going to happen. You to And Gronk is
1: going to come back, and he'll yeah. have two touchdowns. And it's, just like, come on, man, like, it's um, un-
0: like, it's unbelievable. Lou, um, who do you got?
1: I don't think it's Tom Brady, and that's
2: no slight to him. He does have a bright future in this game, I believe. Tom Brady <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, might be good. Might be good one day.
2: Yeah, I, I think he, he'll. Yeah, he's going to have a good career uh, in the next ten years. Uh, it's Lamar Jackson for me, uh, to be okay. honest with what, what he's been doing with this makeshift offensive line, uh, and he has corpse as running backs behind him. Uh, has been nothing short, but miraculous. He ranks seventh in the, in the NFL in rushing with 600 yards. He's ninth in the league with two, uh, 2,209 passing yards, 15 total touchdowns, averaging the highest yards per attempt in his career, 8.3 yards uh, per attempt. And I think what's differentiated him from other years prior, he's making the throws that critics said he couldn't make the uh, the throws, like to the to the outside, the boundary, and what have you. So he's giving defensive coordinators fits. Even if you contain him for a portion of the game, he's still going to get his eighty rushing yards. He's still going to get his two hundred, you know, seventy passing yards and like three touchdowns. Uh, and I, I firmly believe it's Lamar Jackson uh, this year.
0: Yeah uh, he's playing a different brand of football, right? It's hard not to typ- argue. Yeah. It's, it's just not typical Lamar and you, you know, you got to like what you, you see from him. But I, I, again, another topic here and all three of us are are swinging for different fences. And I think that's what makes, you know, just this type of banter, a lot of fun. Like, so for me, um, I'm going to fall on my sword sword again here a little bit, because when this team took this player, I was thrilled to death because that meant we were getting Nick Bosa. Um, but I was also thrilled because I thought a team in my division was going to swing. And I thought this was going to be like Baker Mayfield syndrome. Like, listen, Baker was a really good collegiate quarterback. Kyler Murray was a really good collegiate quarterback, but sometimes those things don't translate as well to the NFL. It's just the way that it is. And I didn't think Kyler Murray had the Russell Wilson in him, the smaller guy, the nimble guy that just like is a playmaker, but he's he, and i didn't know if his heart was in it like if i was him i probably would have gone and take played baseball and gotten all that guaranteed money and been just as good right and play for the next 15 years of my life so i just was like uncertain about so many things long story short uh, to me kyler murray is playing a great brand of football right now 2200 plus you know passing yards almost 9 yards a um a completion 17 touchdowns. I think the most impressive thing is the the 110.4 QB rating. Uh, That's the highest. Not the QBR, just the rating. I know there's a two separate statistics, right? That's second highest in the NFL behind only Matthew Stafford. But he's also got another 150 on the ground, three TDs. The, the, the offense just, I've, dude, when he's in there, let's take this 49ers game out of the equation and take the other 49er game out of the equation, which seemed to be an anomaly. But when he's in this offense, you're talking 34, 35 points a game. Um, it, it's, it's efficient. It looks better um, to me right now, looking at their record, where they stand in the NFL, where they stand in the NFC, um, and he is a huge component of that. So he's my
1: my league MVP, nine games through the season. I like it. All right. Coach of the year. I think we're going to have three different answers here too. Good. You you lead us in. All right. I know that this team just lost this week. I know that they just lost this week, but it's Sean Payton. I mean, when you look at the numbers crunches, when you're talking about the salary cap and what this team was able to do, no Michael Thomas, and Jameis Winston was there, and Sean Payton was essentially turning him around. I don't think people understand how well Jameis Winston was playing. I think he only had like two or three interceptions going into that that game where he winds up injuring himself. And they were winning. They were 5-2 and before, obviously, they lost this game to the Falcons. And need I remind you, they were this close to winning that game where Trevor Simeon started. And, I mean, it's just a testament to Sean Payton and being able to get the most out of his guys. And if you can win games, it obviously this can change, right? Let's just say, obviously, whatever happens going forward in the first half changes because Trevor Simeon is, let's just say, a backup, you know, at this point, and it may be a combination of him and Taysom Hill. There's even rumblings that they're trying to coax Phillip Rivers out, which I would love that. I would definitely love to see that with, with him. But when you talk about not getting Michael Thomas back, Alvin Kamara being the only person, really a makeshift wide receiver core. That defense is so good, and that team competes, and they're always in every single game. I think it's Sean Payton, and I was tempted to go one other way. I'm pretty sure you guys are going to go with it, especially considering what they did this week. But I think what Sean Payton has done, considering turning around Jameis Winston and then almost pulling out this game with Trevor Simeon by making adjustments in the second half because they were getting they were getting beat up pretty bad by Atlanta, and Atlanta almost Atlanta the hell out of that game. Um, at the same time um, they lose but I I think it's Sean Payton he's such a good coach man he always has his team prepared and they're always competing
0: I mean it's hard to argue I mean there's a reason why when you look at people like Payton and Tomlin and like take Belichick out of the equation Harbaugh Andy Reid like their longevity in this league is because they are really good coaches and adapt to very different scenarios right like this is not no Michael. Tom, like you said, no Michael Thomas, no Drew Brees. Like there's just a totally different offense than Sean Payton's accustomed to having. So what does he do? He helps his team get better on defense, right? Let's play a defensive football, a brand of football. So I, I didn't see that coming. And I'm, but I'm so glad you volunteered that information because you're not wrong, right? Like you can argue that all day long that he is deservingly. So to this point in the season, the coach of the year. So Lou, who you got?
2: I'm actually going to defer to you, Weston. I'm going to let you go first.
0: All right. So this is going to sound like the biggest cop out, and I promise you, this has very little to do with the record and more to do with the year-over-year improvement in spite of harsh, harsh critics. I was very tempted to put Matt Lafleur here. Very tempted because I, but I'm going with Cliff Kingsbury. I because, knew it because I all I thought. This guy was a pretender. Like, I Mm -hmm. literally thought this guy was a pretender. First, let me tell you what's the most impressive about this individual. My man was rocking sunglasses on the side of the – as a head coach rocking shades and stylish shades. Like, all right, dude, like, you got a little swag to you. I'm about that. You know, very impressive how he got his team up to go on the road against a division opponent down many men and smack them in the mouth. Right? They're an A.J. Green blunder away from – beating great green Bay and being very undefeated in this league. Um, but that high pa- like when cliff came into the league, this high flying offense that worked at Texas tech, right? Like it wasn't working in the NFL. Like, so it was gimmicky. All, yeah, it was all smoke and mirrors. It was, it was good for your first 15, but what are you doing to do for the next 45 minutes of a football game? Right? Like it just didn't feel like it was coming to fruition. And right now I think there are a lot of coaches scrambling to say, how do I make my offense look like this? Um, And he has a lot to do with it. Now, granted, he's got the right players in place. Like I make no secret about it. DeAndre Hopkins is my favorite player in the NFL. And he doesn't even play for my team. I love everything about that man. I think he is wide receiver one in this league, but you got to have the, you got to have the means to get to him. You got to scheme these guys open from time to time. You got to have the quarterback. And I just think right now, cliff is having his day and it's it's gelling they're vibing you see that they're having fun on the sideline and winning breeds all of that but he's joining right in and i think he's motivating his guys and again i I hate using this term but i'm gonna fall on my sword again because i was one of the first to mock that individual and this year he's proven me entirely wrong
1: i agree that's what that's what i was struggling with
2: yeah guys uh don't mean to be a dick and all, but you know you both. But got you it
0: wrong. are, so just get to it.
2: But you know you both got it wrong, right?
1: Brandon Staley.
2: <laughs> Urban Meyer. And let me tell you why. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hear me You're out. I'm serious. He has, yes. I'm Urban turning Meyer. off your
0: mic. How, J- Jason, how do I turn off his wait mic and stream?
2: <laughs> think outside the box. Think outside the box. The joys that he's brought to us this year as a coach has been fantastic. First, resurrecting Tim Tebow from the football grave, all right? (laughs) Secondly, drafting a a first-round running back when they already had a productive running back uh, behind center. Thirdly, outkicking his coverage with a college girl at a college bar. And (laughs) last but not least, the sound clip of him saying that the NFL is like playing an Alabama team every week. It is by far Urban Meyer uh, coach of the year. So I couldn't, I couldn't do what he did in Ohio. No,
0: so I'm going to, I want to, I want to set the record straight right now.
1: He's joking. Please
0: be joking and please come up with another name for me. But and in, in, if that's all that you prepared, that's all you prepared. But I'm going to assume that's the name that you were talking about for one of these accolades that you could guarantee none of us are going to have. So your punishment is you're not allowed to tell me who comeback player of the year is. You're not allowed to give me a surprise team, good or bad. We're moving forward for the remainder of the show without I'm, you. I'm on I'll, mute. I'll, I'll okay. see you. at I'll see you at the pick 'em section.
2: All right.
0: All right. So now that we've had a little fun and got that shit out of our system. Jason, give me a comeback player of the year. Any side of the ball, who's your comeback player of the year?
1: Dak Prescott. I mean, I, I, this week aside, I mean, it's it's unreal what he's been able to do. Obviously, he came back from an injury, and obviously, if you're looking at this week and you, you didn't see the body of work before, you would have said, man, what are you talking about? Obviously, he was rusty this week, but, man the guy is the driving engine um, of this offense and this team. And I think that he is somebody that does not get enough credit for being smart, pre-snap, making all the throws. It's just, he's not exactly the most physically gifted quarterback, but, and yes, it helps that you have all these amazing weapons and God helped the NFL for letting CD lamb just fall to Dallas for some reason, oh, which makes absolutely no sense. But at the same time, this week aside, uh, what he's what he's been able to do, he's been able to cover up all the things on the back end. Went toe to toe with with who I believe is the MVP week one, nearly pulled that game out. Um, Dak Prescott is uh, is far and away the, the comeback player of the year for me.
0: Yeah, uh, hard to argue that, Lou. What do you got on the docket?
2: Uh, Urban Meyer. No, uh, <laughs> I'm joking, joking. All right, uh, yeah, uh, you know I'll be a little different here. I did have Dak Prescott. Listen, he leads the the best uh, offense. Uh, from a yardage standpoint uh this year and all uh they're third in points uh, per game scored so uh the low-hanging fruit yes it would be Dak Prescott but for argument's sake and just to be a little more different well, about why not Derwin James and I'm not trying to be a homer here. Uh he's had a phenomenal phenomenal year he has 68 tackles one and a half sacks one interception three force fumbles and the thing that's most impressive uh he's plays he has played five positions this year so uh you know Brandon Staley has said that Derwin James's numbers would be way better if they just kept him at two different positions, but they need him to play five different positions for this defense to even have a chance. So the fact that he's shouldering that much load uh, on a complicated, uh, you know, uh, you know, defense uh, and still putting up, you know, pretty impressive numbers. I'm going to say Derwin James. Yeah.
0: I think the NFL is more fun when Derwin James is healthy. I really hope the chargers do make the playoffs. Cause I think it'll put him back in a national spotlight that hasn't probably been seen since his rookie year. Um, even coming out of Florida State, because he is a tremendous player. It's Dak for me all day. Um, I was really, and I won't reiterate everything that's been said, very tempted to make a homer move here and go Bosa, Nick Bosa coming back from an ACL, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, 30 tackles. He's actually outpacing what every one of us would coin a stellar rookie season that set the bar. But what's even more impressive to me, and Jason, you could probably even echo this, um, he's in the backfield like when I'm watching our defense and I'm looking at moments where I feel like embarrassed that I just see people standing around and not on assignment and I feel more about that way over the last few games I thought in the beginning of the season our defense was actually playing very well and, and keeping us in games like i.e. a fully healthy Arizona Cardinal team that we held to 17 points 10 points for the majority of that game um but like And I know that worked against us because the, again, this is a nod to Cliff. They ran at Bosa because they knew they couldn't block him. They knew that he was going to be in the backfield. So they just schemed that around him, kind of what you can do to Aaron Donald. But I just feel like when I look around, when I'm looking at this team and I see people standing around, he still feels like maybe one of the two guys that is just always hustling. And what's even crazier is he's on the field a lot more than he was in his like rookie season, right? Like he's now in every down guy like there's moments where like when we have a we used to have a deep defensive line before injuries like you think you see a lot more rotation a lot more rotation a lot more rotation he just seems to be the one guy that doesn't come
1: off the field so to
0: me i think he's having a tremendous return from an acl injury
1: 11 tackles for loss. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible. And he's the one thing you could set your watch to every single week. I, I mean, you, you'd be hard to argue against that. It's just, you know, the numbers that Dak, you know, is putting up, if Dak can continue to play like that, obviously this week aside, he might be in the MVP talk by the time the, the season's over. So I think that's what the difference is, but you know, you won't get any argument about, about Nick Bosa with me. I think that he's incredible.
0: Yeah. All right. So, just because I want to be conscious of time and we have a few things that we want to get to. And that's kind of my job as the moderator here. I want to talk about surprise teams, So I'm going to ask you each just to give me either one good or one bad. I don't care, but just tell me if it's a good surprise or a bad surprise and tell me a little bit about that team. Um, I normally was going to have us do one of each, but I kind of want to get through this. So Jason, give me a, a good or a bad surprise team for you so far this year.
1: Um, I mean, it's a bad surprise as a 49ers fan, but I mean, in terms of what they're doing, eight and one Arizona Cardinals who could have seen that coming? I mean, I, as you said, I kind of mocked them all offseason. I don't care about JJ Watt showing up, AJ Green's done, who cares, you know? And it doesn't matter because, right, the smoke and mirrors stuff. And when Kyler Murray, I I gave a lot of credit to whatever credit uh, Clef Kingsbury got on the fact that Kyler Murray's incredible and he literally makes plays. And that offense got stale last year, and when Kyler Murray got hurt. All of a sudden, the offense takes a turn for the worst. Now, I don't know. It's too hard to argue. And you're right. They are one AJ Green away play from being nine and oh, eight and one. And in my face, Cliff Kingsbury heard everything I said all offseason. It's hard to argue against that. (laughs)
0: Love it. Love it. You can't argue against that, right? Like, what a a favorable, a a very disappointing surprise as being the fans of the team that we are. But um, if you're a Cardinals fan, like, wow. I guarantee you, in April and May, you weren't, you didn't have this on your radar by any means. So, Lou, give me a, a good or a bad.
2: I'm going to say bad. And at first, I wanted to say the Washington Football Team, with all the hype they were getting, especially on the defensive standpoint. But when you factor in Fitzpatrick getting hurt the first game, you can they can kind of get a mulligan there. So, I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. It's weird. I know they're sitting at five and four, so a game above 500, uh, and they're still in contention to win the AFC West. And probably, you know, when it also comes said and done. Uh, They will win the AFC West, but they are a shell of themselves. Their offense is broken. Their defense is atrocious. And look where they got their wins from. Cleveland, okay, a good Cleveland team. But ready? Philly, the Giants, and then Aaron Rodgers, less Packers. That's not really, uh, you you know, murderer's row right there when it comes to, you know, those five wins. And they got crushed by the real contenders of the AFC, Tennessee and Buffalo, and they lost to the Chargers at home. So I don't know what's going on they're, I feel like they're trying to reinvent themselves as the season goes on. And that's something that's always a recipe for disaster they're, I don't know if they're trying to become a more of like a running team. So then they can take those deep shots and what have you. But uh, I'm going to say Kansas city Chiefs. who would have thought they were been this bad.
0: Can this is why I love the NFL so much. Sometimes it's bites you in the ass, but this is why I love the NFL so much is because Mahomes isn't doing, and Andy Reid isn't necessarily doing anything different than they've done in this past. This defense has been pretty crappy for a little while. Now it's just getting exposed because the offense isn't on the same trajectory that it's been. But the NFL is so great because things that have worked for you in the past don't always work, right? The ball bounces in really funny, funny directions, and that's what I love. Why do you think? A team will force 40 turnovers or be plus 28 in turnover differential one year and then be negative two the next year. Like the ball just bounces funny, you know? Like things happen. Like the NFL's freaky like that. And every once in a while, you need to come back to reality. I think to me, for the Chiefs, the biggest thing is like you're 14 and two last year, you're five and four right now. Like, so you've already like doubled your loss total and we're halfway through the season. Uh, things are different. I'm going to stay on the bad train. Um, I-, I love partying in the negative way. And I'm going with the Dolphins actually down in Miami. So, you know, 10 and six in 2020, two and seven in 2021. I thought another year with Flores, um, trying to add some pieces. They had some interesting draft picks, um, some free agency moves. Hey, I was promised another year of Tua and more progression and a preseason and all of that nonsense that I've been saying is nonsense forever would put this team in a better spot. And like I just said, they're two and seven. Jason, Lou's had to hear me say this for quite some time now. And I'm just going to reiterate myself so that you are forced to hear it. Tua is not it. Period.
1: Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I'm with you because I went down to Mobile, right? And Flores is there and Matt Rule is there. I was blown away by both of these guys because they have two drastically different coaching styles. Flores walks through, and it's almost like when we had chances to ask him questions, I was like, I'm not asking him a damn question. He's going to rip my face off. <laughs> I was like, he has that sort of like, you know, imposing will, right? And then Matt Rule is literally the opposite. He literally is involved with every single aspect. He's coached almost every single group. I didn't know that either. He was a tight end coach, lineman coach, quarterback coach, running back coach. He's coached it all, and he's very vocal, right? And I think that where they've gone wrong was with the way he handled the quarterback situation last year. Marion Fitzpatrick is winning. He's winning, and you and I don't even necessarily know if it was his decision to make that move, right? Maybe that was something that was told to him sure. to do, and yeah, but you lose the locker room with that type of stuff. You're winning already. Why are you going to turn it over this way? Fitzpatrick was already balling, so I mean, I feel bad because I don't think that now he's getting this reputation of being a bad coach. And 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 as far as Tua goes, I wasn't really like big on him either. I don't think that he's outright terrible, you know, or anything like that. But when you look at who they could have had, like they took Tua over Herbert, it was literally tank for Tua. And, you know, Lou, you're yeah. happy, man. It really should have been tank for Justin. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look good right now. And I, and and when you mentioned Miami and you mentioned Washington, those are two two teams that right away stick out to me as well, too, because the way Washington's defense has crumbled, like literally you you add William Jackson and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So you're talking about now this pass rush where the guy who has been routinely slept on as one of the best cover corners. It's like, man, this is a recipe for success. I had them winning the division. They, they, they may not even win five games this year. And and it's really bad. I feel bad for uh for Ron Rivera. But it just it's not working this year. Yeah. That's
0: why, like I said, why I love the NFL, right, is at the end of the day, what does this all prove? I know nothing. You know nothing. We know nothing. Nobody knows anything. But we're here to talk to talk anyway, and I and I'm here for it all day long. So, perfect. Love it. Let's jump into Jason. When you look up and down the schedule, give me for week ten. Give me one thing not on Monday night taking place that you might be looking forward to. And I don't even care it's because it's a big time fantasy player that's going in. Tell me the matchup that you're looking at, whether it's a team a position battle, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. Uh. So, man, this is tough. You know what's funny? I can't believe that I'm going to say this. But a team that I'm fascinated by, and not just because of all of the you know bad things that's happening with their players, they're, they're actually playing on Sunday night. I'm fascinated to watch this Raiders-Chiefs game. I'm really fascinated to watch it. Um, Derek Carr is having one of his best seasons ever, right? Uh, so this week in aside, he threw two picks. He threw a pick six. But Deshaun Jackson is going to be brought in. They're playing the. They're playing the Chiefs. That division is really, really close at this point. The Raiders beat the Chiefs last year, as well, too. And, and that was, you know, with so, you know, all the bad things that have happened. Obviously, the Gruden thing, the Henry Ruggs thing is is unfortunate. The, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's this kid's name? Uh, Damon Arnett. Arnett. Now this, yeah, this happening now. It's just. I am fascinated by this show and just what they're and and would it shock you if the Raiders knocked off the Chiefs this week? And 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 I think that this game actually has a little bit more juice than people would realize. And when you're talking about surprises, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said the Raiders were my biggest surprise because they literally went out there and they traded almost all of their good linemen. And all they really did was sign Kenyon Drake. And I literally didn't understand what they were doing. I'm I'm like, what is the plan here? What are you doing, right? You let John Brown go. You let Nelson Aguilar go. It's really just going to be Ruggs and Waller and, and Brian Edwards. And they were finding ways to win. Derek Carr was playing very good football. I'm fascinated to see how this game plays out because they should have their way with the Chiefs defense. Those division games are always like that. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders sent them to a 5-5 five and five record.
0: Now, I, first of all, John Smoke Brown is your boy. I know oh, you love I love Smoke. Smoke. I know you Shout love out to Smoke. Smoke. <laughs> I know you love him. <laughs> Um, I'm actually in a minute here. I'm gonna just come out and say it. I'm picking the Raiders to there win this football game. Um, this was number one on my list as well. Uh so I'll only spend 30 seconds here. I just don't think KC's got the KC juice this year, right? Lou just talked about it, right? Being a big surprise, and all their losses have come against bad teams, or all their wins, excuse me, have come against bad teams. I think this Las Vegas Raiders team is not a bad football team. And I think date uh Car, David Carr, or, uh, Der- David Carr, Derek Carr, Jesus, why do they have to have brothers in the league? Is playing at a high level right now, probably higher than we've seen him in a long time. And I think he's owning this leadership mentality given that everything's going on. And that's what teams rally around, right? And they rally around situational football and things that happen off the field that are out of their control. How do we bring things back into our control? We do it you know, in between the stripes, like that's just the way that it goes, right? We do it within our, our hundred by 53 and a half. That's where we're going to make everything right, right here. So that's not my game. I'm going to pick my game, Lou. I'll tell you your game. Well, that was my game, but I'm actually looking at this Falcons Cowboys game first. I think the Atlanta Falcons are a better football team than their records States. I think when they get very creative on getting Cordell Cordero Patterson involved in the game, things happen. Minus no Calvin Ridley, right? Julio's gone. This kid Pitts. Is balling right now, like they're finding ways to get him to rock. And he's just proven he's a better athlete than everybody else. But to me, this is a more telling game for the Cowboys. How do you bounce back from a bad loss? Like, listen, losses help happen in the NFL, right? Like how often do teams go undefeated all the way through? It doesn't happen. But that was a bad loss against Denver, right? Like the, to me, that was a really bad loss and that should leave a bitter taste. So what I'm just mo- most interested in is if they bounce back, and they beat up on a team that on paper they says that you should beat up on them then this to me this cowboys team is for real if they struggle in this game i'm going to have more doubts than just what their record says so that's that's what i'm looking at lou what are you looking at
2: i'll go real quick i'm actually going to agree with uh jason here it is a sunday night game for me uh because the the afc west is the, the waters are so muddy every team has five wins Uh i just want to get a better understanding who's for real because you can pick apart any of those teams uh, being contenders or pretenders. So I just want to see who's going to start separating themselves, you know, from the pack. And this could be a week that one of those teams, that, you know, that actually, you know, starts doing that. I want to see if the Chiefs can, you know, beat a good team. Uh, so th- that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for in that game. Uh, who's, who? who's legit. Is it going to be the Raiders or the Chiefs? Because it's going to be a big win. Because when you win in divisions, like you're really winning too games obviously you win the one for the record and then the second one you're better in your div- your own division too is that catapult you more too so i'm gonna say um that that same game too is what jason is looking at
0: all right sounds like we're all gonna be glued to the television on sunday night um at least this gives me the excuse like to my wife like hey listen i got to like you know jason and lou like we're banking on this game i gotta look at it like leave me alone for a little bit. All right. So this is actually my favorite segment that we're about to get into, and I love the pick 'em. And Jason, just so you know, we didn't start doing pick 'ems until like week six, right? So, when um, we well, kind of put that into our segment. So Lou, last week you were seven and seven. I was seven and seven on I'll take season. that.
1: On <laughs> oh my god! How? Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Just taking flukes, right? I'll take that. Like, I thought yeah. it was worse yeah. than that. Um, on the season or since week six, Lou, you're thirty four and twenty two. I'm thirty two and twenty four. So, Jason, you're caught in this mix, and now this is recorded. So, I will say how you did next week uh, Perfect to our listeners. Here we go. All right. So, just rapid fire, right? So, Thursday night, we got Baltimore at Miami. Ravens. 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 Uh, Sunday, 1 o'clock game, Atlanta at Dallas. We just talked about it. Dallas.
1: I'm going Dallas. I'm going Dallas, too. Dan Quinn revenge game. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: New Orleans at Tennessee.
1: Tennessee. Give, I'm going to
2: give me Tennessee.
0: I'm going to go New Orleans. Hey, Jason, one thing you'll know about me is I'm like that guy that just likes to make up ground every once in a while, but I nice. I sometimes I just look at momentum, right? And like Tennessee's coming off of like a really impressive win against Good a fun. real team that I promise you they probably didn't anticipate that they were going to win that game, so that usually is a letdown game, in my opinion, right? So I'm not I'm, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call this what it is with Trevor Simeon probably as the back of forth. This is a trap game for the Tennessee Titans, and I think they I think they blow it. All right. Jacksonville at Indy. 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 Indy all day. Cleveland at New England. Yeah. At New England makes that different. Makes that a little bit different.
1: Oh man, why'd you ask me on Wednesday? I'd love to know if Nick Chubb was gonna play. Right now, all right. Give me the pass.
0: Okay. I'll I'm check gonna- I'll check back with you at Twitter on the Chubb update. I'll say Nick. I'll say Jason. Here's your chance. Nick's not playing. What do you want to do about it? I
2: don't no, think no. he. I don't think he is playing. Uh, by the way. Yeah, my,
1: I don't think my, so either. I think I, 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 I'll stick the patsy the way though.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm. am ta- taking the Patriots. It's it's, it's in New England, uh, and I, I just feel like uh, New England's starting to start, starting to get on the roll right
1: now. And they'll okay. they'll they'll uh, they'll give give Baker fits. I think that they're going to give him problems on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I,
0: so this is Lou talked about this going into the the Pats Chargers game. He said Bill was going to do this right, like he just knows how to get it in the, the under. The, he makes quarterbacks see ghosts, right? Yeah. Sam Donald's lives. I'm going past in this game too. Uh, Bills at Jets.
2: Bills. Like you were talking about the spread. It was a 13 and a half, I think. So I think this would make it more interesting, but I'm going Bills. Yeah. I I pick them.
0: Yeah, well, we last week both said, like, really? Is this even a question? And look what Jacksonville right. did. I want to know if Mike White's playing. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't he not He is. All right. Now, this is, this is Buffalo all day, in my opinion. Uh, Detroit at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh.
1: Pittsburgh. Is that,
2: it's in Pittsburgh, yeah. It's in yeah. Pittsburgh,
0: yeah. Tampa Bay at Washington.
1: Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah, TDA. Tampa. TB12 all day. Even though Heineke played them good last year. I was gonna playoffs. say
1: Heineke, Heineke kinda that that was the, the closest game that they had that entire playoff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, but this ain't the same Washington football team. No, 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 no. Um, Carolina at Arizona.
1: Arizona, uh PJ Walker, um, unfortunately. I mean, nice story, yeah. but yeah.
0: Yeah, Cardinals. I don't I don't care if Kyler plays or not. This Oracle, is Oracle, right? Yeah. Um, Cole McCoy is a better quarterback than people give him credit for. He's oh, like for the perfect. Sure. He's the perfect backup quarterback to have. Like the. I mean, perfect. his name is Colt. How know, tough is that? From Texas, you know <laughs> what nice. I mean? Like, Jeez. seriously. All right, Vikings at Chargers. Oh. <sighs> yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Give me the Vikings.
2: It has to be the Vikings. Chargers are a little. uh Their secondary is still banged up, and guess what? They don't have a, a, a run defense. And guess who's coming in? to la well (laughs) who
1: is is he gonna play
2: uh well dalvin cook uh i mean pretty if this was a couple weeks back maybe he wouldn't but they still got to cipher out some of that stuff i can't picture him getting suspended quite yet or just
1: or just put out like exempt list i'm not saying suspended you know or just uh, what is the last time the nfl
2: moved that quick (laughs) that's true too yeah,
1: huh. it's it's Vikings. Kareem Hunt probably. Kareem Hunt like it was like 20 minutes after the video came yeah. out they were like all right that's all it, right, gotta go. I mean I listened yeah. to the video. Yeah. You said after the video came video out. Video came <laughs> out exactly, yeah.
2: All
0: right, well, I'm I'm going opposite. So I'm on, I'm on this Chargers bandwagon baby and there I've been go. since the I think I was more of a fan to start the season of these Chargers than Lou was. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm going to stay on it.
2: They have done me dirty, um, 30, bro.
0: I know. Eagles at Broncos. Whew. Broncos. Yeah, I got Broncos too. I go Eagles. Okay, Okay. there we go. You're making up ground. Sea chickens at the pack.
1: But are both of those guys going to play? Russell's going to play, right?
0: I think Russell's yeah. playing. Yeah. Dude, right, come Russell's on. Playing. Did you see his cheesy ass video of like yeah, he's I broke a finger and like we gotta have all these videos? He's so corny, but he's so good. Uh, I can't stand it. Um, I wish we'd
1: know. I wish we know if Odell was gonna sign there and play. That might that might have yeah. helped out a little bit. You know what? Uh if Rogers plays and it's Green Bay, either way. You know what? I I mean if Rogers doesn't play, they're not gonna win this game. But yeah, yeah if yeah. Rogers plays, they're gonna win it. I think right.
0: so. We'll put that caveat. Yeah. Rogers plays, you're with Green Bay. If not, not this yeah, Seattle. Seattle. Um, I I'm on the same boats, but I'll I'll just come out and pick Green Bay, assuming that he's playing. Considering that they only fined him fourteen thousand dollars for basically C- cheating protocols call, C. D- C D Lamb, C D
1: Lamb, C D Lamb got twenty bands for for not tucking in his jersey. jersey. Way to go! Yeah. Way to go, NFL. Yeah, I, <laughs> I
0: mean, can we get something right in this league? Jeez, my God.
1: Well, I'm going Green Bay too.
0: Okay, right. uh, Chiefs Raiders I already came out and said I'm picking the Raiders in this game.
1: Yeah, I got the Raiders too. I think I'll go Chiefs. Okay. Do, we even, have, uh, uh, do we
0: even have to ask Rams Rams? So Jason, Rams. something you said earlier made me laugh tremendously. Actually, it was something you tweeted about yes. like the only way the 49ers win this game is if the Rams playing literally physically does not take off and don't make it to, but wouldn't it be the NFL and wouldn't it be the 40? If they want the bro, we have Who was their quarterback Jared Goff, Sean McVay, Rams number. The Matthew Stafford Rams are a totally
1: different beast. Matthew
0: Stafford is who I want as our
1: quarterback. Right. Right. And here's the thing. It would be so 49ers to win this game because the one thing that we know about the 49ers this year is that we know nothing at all. Nothing. (laughs) But look, there would have been more of a chance to win this game if the Rams didn't get washed out on Sunday Night Football. They're angry. They're tired of it. And Matthew Stafford is here to inflict yep. some pain. That secondary. If they had trouble covering, and now it's getting worse. Now Tavon Wilson is not going to be there in the, sa- in the the safety position. Yep. Now who's going to be there? It's not going to be pretty. I, I, I'd love to be wrong, but I got the Rams.
0: Yeah, this is – this is it's unfortunately, it's Rams all day. This is it. Although I did wear my Shanahan hat. Uh, Because I don't know if you noticed, but Kyle brought back the Shiner Hat this past week, probably trying to instill some of those 2019 vibes. But even Didn't he bring it back.
1: Work. He brought it back the week before too. I was like, "Here we go!" Right. Or, was it, or was it the? I think it was the, the the Sunday Night Football game. I was like, "Oh, there it is!" I was like, and "It's back against Indy." Yeah, and mm-hmm. then it just
0: poured all over us. I liked them better without the hat, to be honest with you. When he showed up on the sideline, no hat.
1: Yeah, and I like honestly, I like the the, the what's it called the Griswold um, one with the with the the scripture on it the the, the yeah, old yeah, yeah. School one the white one i like that one that was nice
0: he's fresh that's one thing i love about kyle is he he's got style he's fresh on that sideline yeah. lo-
1: they're calling them chip kelly and Yeezys now <laughs> <laughs> i know
0: and unfortunately that's probably like not really the wildest statement in the entire world <laughs> so jason i know you're a big fantasy guy um so i'm gonna allow you to lead us give me so, I call this my fantasy sleeper of the week. And it's not necessarily a sleeper, but it's not like start Dalvin Cook against the LA Chargers. That's right? easy. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, so who's a name that's off the radar a little bit if you got some injuries, if you got some buys, like player position? Tell me
1: and why. Running back to Johnson. If Nick Chubb is not going to be there, Dimitri Felton is also um, on the COVID list as well. It would literally be the Ernest Johnson and two fullbacks. If you had a chance to watch him against Denver, he was incredible. The kid was waiting his entire life for this shot. He had, I believe there's a stat where it's Nick Chubb has the most missed tackles and he's right behind him somehow. So Dehernis Johnson, if you have a chance, I understand it's against the Patriots. You know what Cleveland wants to do. If you're looking for a spot start and looking to steal a win this week and he hasn't been picked up on your waiver wire, go pick him up because I wouldn't assume that Nick Chubb is going to be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm screwed if Nick Chubb doesn't go, but that's another story. So um, Lou, who you got?
2: I did have the De- uh De'Aaron Johnson, but uh I'll for I'll switch it up. I'll say what about Le'Veon Bell? If things get out of hand in Miami, I can envision Bell getting some garbage carries and stats. He's coming off a game where he had forty eight yards and a touchdown. I can totally see that his that that's his floor going against Miami. Things starting getting out of hand.
0: Yeah. I what I always say about fantasy, it's not about who wins or loses the football game. It's about game flow, right? And garbage right. time points still count in fantasy football. And
1: they're my love favorite me, I,
2: kind of points. I love me some dirty points. Yeah. No Whoa. doubt
1: about it. I can give you one more. So if we, if we don't have to, like, go with the Darius Johnson one-two, um, Devin Singletary. If Zach Moss is going to miss this game, I mean, he's the guy who is going to be the receiving back as well. The only problem that I would have is I would have a, no problem firing up as an RB2 in PPR because he does catch passes. It's just that Josh Allen's the goal back, so you can't yep. really expect those things. But if he's going to be the main act there with uh, Matt Breeder, our old friend behind him, then I'd love to start Devin Singletary in this game because it looks like Buffalo is going to exact their revenge um, on uh, the Jets from last week. Yeah,
0: I, I, I had Singletary. I think so. It's funny because we're all staying running backs. I I would throw out another name here, just real quick: Hunter Renfro, because I always try to find somebody that plays against this Kansas City Chiefs. That was my boy Uh, last week. I said defense because they're so porous, and uh, Brian Edwards is doing nothing. Darren Waller is not is like has in spurts has been having big games. Like Hunter Renfro is like Mr. Reliable for Derek Carr right now. But I'm going running back as well, and I'm going Jordan Howard. So why am I going Jordan Howard? Cause I might have to play this man because that's how yeah. banged up my running backs are right now. Honestly, and up until last week, I forgot this man was in the NFL.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's been a while since you've heard his name. Um, he's definitely taking over in Philly, right? Like in, in my opinion, just based on momentum and you know, the fantasy facts are Denver's allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs. Right? So I think both these teams are going to look to run the ball um, pass offenses aren't great. So if you're in a spot like I am, Jordan Howard might be the the plug at, at this moment in time. So
1: It feels icky, but you could steal a win this week and get some production from him, and that's the name of the game. One wide receiver name that I will throw out, he is playing Thursday night. If you haven't picked him up, Rashad Bateman. I understand everybody's all over Hollywood Brown, but right now his targets are going up. And he is uh, second in the team in yardage and third in targets, I believe, because Mark Andrews is having such an incredible year under the radar. Nobody's talking about it at all. But with the with the leaps that Lamar is taking, Rashad Bateman was somebody who I loved in this draft class, had no idea how he fell as far as he did. Had a, had a vibe of almost like Justin Jefferson fell pretty far, and I didn't really understand why. And I, I'm not saying that he's comparable to him because he's so good. But I felt like Rashad Bateman was going to be one of those guys where we look back like, how on earth did you let him fall this far? Um, he's kind of picking it up, and I think that he should have a pretty good week this week when the, he can put the game out of hand, so it can go to lose. Pick of uh, Le'Veon Bell um, salting the game away, but Rashad Bateman should see enough to get it done.
0: Yeah, as a as a Hollywood Brown owner myself, I am nervous about this Rashad Bateman progression and coming back. Actually, I had a buddy text me tonight who's in a uh, what do you call them? Because I never do them. The dynasty leagues, right, or the mm-hmm um I, i've actually never done a dynasty fantasy so football league i i i want to look into that i'm but i'm more into the auction drafts and like you know your typical snakes and etc but he was talking to me about i was like bro you can't get a re- rid of rashad bateman in the trade scenario like he's the number one next year he's the number one beyond that and if you got him with like a 16th round grade that that's what you have him accounted for like you have to hold on to that that's going to help you win you know that's going to make you a playoff team for a couple years so I knew you were going to be excited about this Jason because I know you love fantasy football and -hmm. I I know this was going to be your spot so that's why I kind of saved the best for last for you Um, not to sound redundant man but again Lou and I are both super appreciative of you taking this time to be with us tonight I know you had a busy night Um, we want to give you some time to get back to your family at least get some sleep before you're probably at it again tomorrow (sighs) Um, just so you know how we roll, like I'll get some audio out, you know, pretty quickly. And then I spend a little time kind of editing some videos, learning some new skills doing that. So we'll plug that out. If you want to see your, your handsome face at a, at a later date, we'll, we'll tag you in that. But, um, again, just, just really appreciate you taking the time. Can't thank you enough, man.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely, and, and and no problem, man. I mean, honestly, talking football and being able to talk anything other than the 49ers for a little while has been a relief, and um, you guys are very knowledgeable. I had a blast, and um, I, I always want to uh, reach out to other content creators and, and help them out in any way, whether it's advice, whether you want me to come on the show, whatever it is, and I'm just always humbled and honored when anybody ever wants to speak with me anyway because I always feel like, who the hell am I anyway for anybody to want to wanna, you know hear from me, but I had a blast, and you guys are doing a great job. Continue, keep it up. Go Chargers and you know, go Niners. I guess you know. <laughs> I, I, I guess,
0: I guess. Lou, as I always rely on to you, bring me home, brother. Tell us where, uh, tell everybody where they can follow us, where they can find us.
2: Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL.
0: And I give the, the plug every uh, every week. We're looking to grow that YouTube page. I'm promising newer, uh, newer content. Working on my video editing skills, learning this uh, Adobe Suite thing as I'm I'm manipulating through. So I'm honing in on another craft but that wraps us up for we're talking uh football our week nine recap and we'll see you all next week take care